0: Greetings, soul of God's people. This is again Mordecai Joseph. We're now in Lesson 33. And if you remember last time, we ended up with Genesis chapter 48, and verse 20, and then 22. And verse 20, we, are, we read about the blessing that Jacob gave in specific to the children of Joseph, Ephraim and Manasseh, and he passed on his name to them. And as I said, he was adopting them, and the concept... Uh, was by some, that did not understand the whole spectrum of uh, of what is happening here, but partially only, they thought that he was passing his very name, the name of his father Isaac, to uh, only, to Ephraim and to Manasseh, that is, to Joseph. And he certainly was not doing that for the simple reason that the Bible will make it very plain. Uh, from that point on, and as I mentioned in verse, uh, actually verse 20, where he made it very plain that Israel... That is, the rest of the tribes, the rest of the people, the rest of the sons of Jacob, are going to bless by Ephraim and Manasseh. And so he said, by you, Israel, making it very plain that he still calls everyone else Israel. So it's not that legally he was passing the name only to Ephraim and Manasseh. Because Jacob is the father of all of them, and all of them are the sons of their father. And they are not being disinherited just because one receives the birthright. And something uh, ought to be uh, said about the birthright. You know, we, we get the impression because Joseph received a huge, huge portion in terms of the future, not necessarily in the land of Israel. Uh, therefore, we assume that because of that, uh, Joseph received, uh, in one sense, it ends up like as if you know Joseph receives ninety percent. All the, the the brothers end up in the poorhouse, uh, or at least receive much less. Well, that's not the, the reality, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, last Lesson, actually, that when you look uh, closer at the tribe of Ephraim and Manasseh and see who are the people that actually live there, you'll find out that it's not only Ephraim and Manasseh, but other tribes of Israel live alongside with them, sharing the same blessings with them. Uh, For example, in this country, you find more Irish people living in this country, in the United States, than they live in their own land. And uh, that goes for uh, the Danish people, Norwegian, and many other people, so many of them. And French people, and uh, certainly the people of Judah, uh, there are about, uh, what, six million of them. Sometimes they say more, sometimes less. But an awful lot of, uh, of the tribes of Israel, and uh, actually every single tribe is represented here, very heavily in the property, so to speak, of the birthright holder. That's true, he's got the birthright, but that doesn't mean he's got everything. Because the law of the birthright is very plain. It's not what people made it to be. And that's by God's instructions. What is the law of the birthright? Well, the firstborn receives double portion. For example, if you take one, let's say, a father is going to pass on his inheritance to his children. Let's say he's got ten children and he has one million dollars in the bank. Well, he's supposed to divide it according to the law of God to eleven parts, not ten. So the firstborn gets two parts. And That's the reason you do uh, you do it that way. Well, that's the way God uh, intended it to be, not because the firstborn is uh, uh, pet. Uh, you know, in other words, you know, he's not in any special position in the sense of uh, he's better than others and all that. But he's the older one. He has a responsibility to lead the family, and he's the first, uh, the beginning of the strength of the father. And he's the one general that ends up taking care of the property of the whole house. Uh, not that he takes it to himself, but the fact that he's uh, in a leadership position and he has to work harder for it also, therefore God rewards him, and that goes for every single firstborn. That's the law for every one of them, not just for Joseph. It wasn't any special thing for Joseph. That is the law. But the firstborn, even as God will tell Moses later on, if a man has two women, uh, that is, two wives, and he hates the first one because now she got older and may not like her children either for whatever reason, and he has another one that he loves even more. God says, nevertheless, he's supposed to give the firstborn the double portion, whether he likes it or not, because that's the law of the firstborn. So we have to understand what it means, the birthright to Joseph and the, and the scepter to Judah. And uh, that is not clear in the minds of many. And so when you find Joseph coming to the land, he receives exactly that. Two portions. One for Ephraim and one for Manasseh. The one for Manasseh is divided between east and west of uh, the Jordan River. But still two portions. And one to come back to the land in the days of uh, uh, the coming of Christ. At the end, the coming of the Messiah. You read in the book of Ezekiel. Still, Joseph receives only two parts. One for Ephraim and one for Manasseh. He's not receiving 90% and then the rest get uh, left over. So the law has been very consistent very uh you know persistent, always the same never no, God didn't make any changes there and you can see even in the division of the tribes of Israel uh in terms of let's say of uh, the city and the cities are going to be twelve parts, and uh each part is for Israel and there are going to be twelve gates and each one is named after uh one of the sons of Israel, and there are going to be twelve twelve of them. And uh, when you go to the to the end of the book of Revelation and read about the the cities of Israel, each tribe is going to have a gate to the holy city, that is the city of God, and Joseph will have one gate. There isn't going to be in Ephraim and Manasseh. There's going to be only one gate for Joseph, because there are twelve. So there God goes back to the original twelve. So the birthright is, is a different issue in that sense. But we have to understand it for what it is. And uh, because people did not understand it properly, they, they saw, well, he's, he's calling them by his name. And therefore, from now on, only Joseph has the right to be called Israel. In the process, they even forget oftentimes the rest of the tribes of Israel. And especially those who came to the knowledge of uh, their origin. Especially in the last uh, couple of centuries, and uh, specific the last uh, few decades. They, they came across this information of who Israel really is and they found out that they are part of the children of Israel and uh, they, then they developed that attitude that developed in those that, uh, in the British Isles uh, had this knowledge, uh, the British uh, Israelite society, which unfortunately, being of Ephraim, and you know what God says about the animosity between Judah and Ephraim and the envy between Ephraim against Judah and the vexation of Judah uh, against yeah. Ephraim, Well, an awful lot of uh, unfortunate anti-Jew feelings have developed, and it did not begin uh, recently. That began from Egypt. You can read the history of it throughout the Bible. And uh, the constant wars that the Jews had with their brethren, the children of Israel. And generally it was Ephraim at the head of them. So, you know, we have to put all those things together and have a clean and pure mind when we come to understand that because of the process of understanding the church of God, who the, tr- uh, the true church of God is, the people of God, and uh, the, the spiritual part of them, and then the physical, which are going to be spiritual as the time uh, approaches, because God has a 7,000-year plan, it's not only 2,000-year plan, or, or five, you know, 50-year plan. Uh, all of them are going to be uh, members of the church, members of the bride of the wife of God. And we're going to see it more and more clearly. But I think at this point it should be very, uh, very important, at least for us who do understand who Israel is, and have maybe have some negative concepts about Judah and, and uh, the name of Israel and to whom does it belong and why? And why the people that uh, we call the Jews that went back to the land in Israel call their land Israel and they don't call it Judah? And some have made that comment that they have no right and they should not be calling their land Judah. I think uh, this is, uh, has to be more. Uh, with uh, envy more than anything else. The envy that God talks about in uh, in Isaiah, chapter 11, I believe. But uh the reality has to be understood from God's point of view. If we are to understand who the true church is, we have to understand also the division between the two and the unity between the two. And the way God looks on it and not what man did with it. Because there was an awful lot of hatred and animosity that developed between the southern kingdom and the northern kingdom. And even though the northern kingdom lost its lost its identity in many ways, it still retained that, that animosity, that envy, that uh, hatred uh, sometimes and uh, uh, wrong feelings that later on, as time progressed, it took on the, the, the name that became uh, more associated with the Jews, that is, anti-Semitism. And to this very day, you see an awful lot of it among the tribes of Israel, unfortunately, and it shouldn't be there. They're all one people. And so let's Let's cover briefly, and I'm going to quote from, uh, from a book called The Middle East, uh, The Final Solution. And by the way, you know, I quoted another book uh, a few lessons ago, and I didn't quote uh, the author, and the reason is uh, I'm, I'm a great believer in giving credit to whom credit is due, but uh, if you can uh, bear with me, whenever I'm, I happen to be the author of it, I don't necessarily give credit to myself. So if I'm quoting a source and I don't give any credit, uh, just understand that I happen to be the author of that. And so here again, I'm going to quote from a book that uh, I, I wrote about, what, about 12 years ago, maybe 10. Uh, it's called The Middle East, uh, The Final Solution. So I'm going to quote from that because I addressed that point uh, in this book, in uh, Chapter 9. And so I'm going to write, I mean, uh, read from that uh, so we can uh, clear that out of our mind and continue with the, with the subject. So, quoting now, uh, let's cover briefly a question that has been posed previously about false accusations against Judah. Some have asked, if the Jews after the division of Solomon's kingdom were then named the house of Judah, while the ten tribes were named the house of Israel, why is the state of Israel today not called the state of Judah? Some of those who stumble on this, quote-unquote, newly found information regarding the separate identities and names of the southern and northern kingdoms, are quick to point out this question and to accuse the Jews of using the name Israel, quote-unquote, illegally, quote-unquote, again. Such an absurd notion, one might suspect, is not a product of objective biblical scholarship and honesty, but that of the ever-present or undercurrent, at times, blunt feelings of animosity and hatred toward the Jew. Uh, Unfortunately, the venomous poison of anti-Semitism has become over the many centuries of, quote-unquote, Christian propaganda, a subconscious stress element in the Western mind. At times, it is even in those hearts who otherwise are favorably toward Judah. So let the God of Israel clear up this matter, and hopefully also the hearts of those infected by this destructive and virulent virus, quote-unquote, of subconscious hatred and jealousy toward Judah. The patriarch Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel, was the father of all Israelite tribes. His children were later called Israel, children of Israel, and Jacob. Up to the division of the kingdom of Solomon, all tribes were called either Israel, house of Israel, and children of Israel. During the early reign of David, they were called at times to indicate their separate identities, house of Judah and house of Israel. Then, for a period of 280 years from the division of Solomon's kingdom, to the captivity of Israel, they were, for the sake of identity, called by different names. This were House of Israel, Israel and Judah, or House of Judah, and at times also House of David. During the early period of the division, the one that created the two new separate identities of the House of Judah and the House of Israel, we still see God referring to Judah as Israel. We read of, the, of two such instances in Second Chronicles. Chapter 12, verses 1 to 6. In the days of the first king of Judah, King Rehoboam, Solomon's son, later, Judah was no longer referred to as Israel for a long period. Then, in the days of Ahaz, king of Judah, God began to reveal his feelings regarding the names Israel, the house, and the house of Israel. Understand, nowhere does God call himself the God of Judah, but the God of Israel. In his mind, There is no division between his people. It's just a temporary phenomena, not a legal or national status, as some like to make it. Through the prophet Hosea, sent to prophesy against Israel, God had declared to the northern kingdom of Israel, For I will no longer have mercy on the house of Israel, but I will utterly take them away, that is, into captivity to last for 2,800 years, yet I will have mercy on the house of Judah, will save them by the Lord their God. You read that in uh, Hosea chapter 1 and verses 6 to 7. Uh, and in verse 9, he continues, quote, then, he sa- then say God, call his name, that is Hosea's children, that symbolize the fate of Israel, Lo-Ami, which means not my people, for you are not my people, and I am not your God. And have to remember that God is the God of Israel, and that is his name, among others. So he tells the house of Israel that they are not his people. And that, too, is a temporary phenomenon. It's going to last for about 2,800 years. That is, at least officially, since they have totally rejected him as their king, and he rejected his religion and his law, and went into idolatry, and then partially, uh, some of them later on, actually many of them, were actually converted by uh, the apostles that were sent to the lordship of the house of Israel, which included the entirety of the twelve tribes that James... We'll refer to them Any, anyway. Back to, uh, to the book, quoting again, this turn of events in Israel's relationship with her God was to be reversed at the end of a 2,800 years captivity, as the next verses show. See Hosea chapter 1, verses 10 to 11, which describes the future restoration of Israel. Since this has not yet occurred, the statement of God still stands that Israel is not his people, that is, in worship, in religion, and heritage. You see, to this very day, they reject their identity, as a whole, that is. I'm not talking about individuals. Nor is he the God of the 10 tribes nation of Israel. This reality, by God's own doing, leaves only Judah as the official people of God until the unification and restoration of the two nations does take place. In other words, He's still the God of all the tribes of Israel, all the families of Israel, but because of rejection... And captivity, and they were taken uh, for 2,800 years until the restoration. That's exactly what God says to so Hosea. Uh, officially, he's not, is not uh, calling them his people, and he's not their God. Though he's still, in reality, their God. And we continue to quote, at the, same, at the time of King Ahaz of Judah, God had instructed Isaiah to deliver a message to his people concerning his future first coming, to his people as their Savior. And this is what he says, Uh, We're quoting here again. The Lord of hosts, him you shall hallow, that is, uh, make holy. uh, Let him be your fear, and let him be your dread. He will be as a sanctuary, but a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to both the houses of Israel. That's in Isaiah 8, verses 13 to 14. So the God of Israel, anticipating the false charges rooted in envy and animosity toward Judah, has made it very plain. The ten tribes are the house of Israel, but also Judah, Benjamin and Levi, the southern kingdom, are the house of Israel. As the apostle has stated, and we should remember that and uh, be sobered by this statement. And I'm quoting, Let God be true and every man a liar. And that's from Romans chapter 3, verse 4. Uh, we continue to quote in Psalm 78, Verses 67 to 68, the chief temple musician and prophet Asa stated, quote, Moreover, he, that is God, rejected the tent of Joseph and did not choose the tribe of Ibrahim, that is the ruling tribe of Israel, that led them into idolatry, causing their captivity to, the la- to last to this very day. And uh, he continues to quote, But chose the tribe of Judah. Now, this is inspired by God himself, the one that came later on in the flesh. For 2,000 years, ignorant religionists had claimed that Judah is the one that was rejected. It is Judah God had brought back today to his land, not Israel. Of course, it is not for Judah's righteousness, but for God's purpose. Nevertheless, many in Judah still adhere to God's religion, the religion of the patriarchs, prophets, and apostles. Ironically, Israel, that is, the Ten Lost Tribes, had later accepted the Savior of Israel, that is, as I said, when the the disciples were sent to the tribes of Israel, to the lost house of Israel, but denied and rejected his religion since the days of Jeroboam. That is, as a whole. That's why they are not his people and he is not their God, speaking nationally, as Hosea the prophet declared, at least in matters of religion. When we, in later chapters, do discuss the identity of the lost ten tribes, these points will become most meaningful. Anyway, that's quoting uh, uh, from the book again about future chapters that will explain it more in detail. But let's continue quoting here. Uh, the prophet Isaiah addressed this denial of God's religion while professing religiosity in his book. And that, in that sense, speaking also about not only Israel, but also about Judah. And so he declared, Therefore the Lord said, Inasmuch as these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but have removed their hearts far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the commandments of men, that is, men's religion, even among God's people, therefore, behold, I will do a marvelous work among these people. That's in Isaiah 29, verses 13 to 14. Later, when Jesus spoke to his day lip service religionists, he quoted this and added, And in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You read that in Matthew 15, verses 8 to 9. This statement is addressed to both houses of Israel. In the days of King Ahaz, God had first used the statement, both houses of Israel. It was during that period also that Hosea the prophet was told to write concerning Israel, you are not my people and I will not be your God. Let's see how God begins to call his people Judah from this point on. In King Ahaz's time, a prophet recorded in Second Chronicles 28, verses 19, 23, and 27 this statement. For the Lord brought Judah law because of Ahaz, king of Israel. You see, Ahaz now is the king of Judah, and yet the scripture, the inspired scripture calls him king of Israel. Why call the king of Judah king of Israel? Because God, remember, said about the people of Israel, the northern kingdom, through Hosea. You are no longer my people, but Judah will continue to be my people. And so now he is calling the king of Judah king of Israel. Because all the rest are gone, they have rejected him, let only they have rejected their heritage, they have rejected their identity, and for that reason, God is saying it. But does not mean that God totally rejected, it's just a temporary situation, just like it is for Judah as a nation, where they have rejected their, their king and the savior when he came in the flesh. But, that's only for a small, small period of time. And when you remember that a day with the Lord is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like a day, one day, uh, that means that Judah, in essence, in the days of Christ, rejected God only for a couple of days. But on the third day, they'll come back to Him. And you see a prophecy about that. About two days, and the third day, when they come back to Him. Then, speaking of Ahaz's sacrifices, i continue to quote here. Uh, to foreign gods, it says, "But speaking about Ahaz, the king of Judah, quoting, but they were the ruin of him and, all, uh, and of all Israel. You see how God is inspiring another prophet to write? The king of Judah and the people around him. Are, not only the king is called the king of Israel, but the, the people that he rules are called the people, all of Israel. Then, in verse twenty-seven, we read: So Ahaz rested with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of Jerusalem, that is, capital of Judah. But they did not bring him into the tombs of the kings of Israel, which were all Jews. We're not talking about the Northern Kingdom, and you see that in Second Chronicles chapter twenty-eight, verses nineteen, twenty-three, and twenty-seven. Uh, one would think that three times should make the point very clear. Well, that's what God said. This is not a man speaking. You know, when you read the words of God, you have a choice. either you accept them as the words of God and stop arguing about it, or, well, the rest is up to you. Uh, Let's continue to quote. The prophet Isaiah recorded God's words about the first returning captivity of Judah in Ezra's time. This was about 200 years before it had occurred. Now, this is Isaiah speaking. And he spoke of the rebuilding of the temple, the city of Jerusalem, and Judah's cities. And most amazingly, he named Cyrus, the king, by name, and foretold of his future conquest of Babylon two centuries before it happened. Then he explained why he raised Cyrus. And now we are quoting the scripture. That you may know that I, the Lord, who call you by your name, am the God of Israel. For Jacob my servants' sake, and Israel, my elect. And you know that the proclamation of Cyrus was specifically for some of the returning Jews that came back under Ezra and Nehemiah. So he's calling his people, that is, the part of his people that he brought back to the land, my, that is, for, for Jacob, my servants' sake, and Israel, my elect. Remember Hosea. Israel, the northern kingdom, tempor- temporarily is out of sight. God says, you're not my people, but Judah is still my people. And again, not because they were super-righteous, so we not. A lot of them had more problems than even the people in Israel, as we're going to find out later on when we read in Ezekiel, other places. But because God had a purpose for them. So all see things from the point of view of God, not man. I will continue to quote here from the book, God introduces himself to Cyrus as the God of Israel. He commissions him to rebuild the nation temple in Jerusalem and the cities of Judah. And he calls Judah Jacob my servant and Israel my elect. Another reason Judah is now being named Israel can be found in the days of King Hezekiah, King of Judah. After restoring the temple worship five years before the final captivity of Israel, the king in Second Chronicles chapter thirty, verses one to eleven, had invited all of the remaining Israelites to come to Jerusalem. Remember, when, when uh, the king of Assyria took uh, the ten tribes into captivity, and by the way, he took uh, also about 210,000 Jews into captivity with them, and they remained with them to this very day. Uh, history tells us that they, basically most of them went to uh, Denmark. And that's why that land ancient, was called Jutland, that is Judah land, the land of Judah. Anyway, we continue to quote here, so he invited all the Israelites And, by the way, when the king of Assyria took them into captivity, he left all the poor people. So, we're talking about the poor people left behind, poor Israelites, poor farmers. So, he invited all of them to come to Jerusalem at Passover time. Well, Hezekiah sent messengers throughout Israel and Judah declaring, quoting, Children of Israel, return to the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. That is all of us. But the people of the northern kingdom of Israel left them to scorn and mock them. You see, just like many do today, not waiting to go back to the old Jewish religion. In other words, not wanting to go back to the, that old Jewish religion. Now that's in essence what happened when the children of Israel and the children of Judah separated. Now the children of Judah continued to worship in the temple, worship God, and they were the people of God. As for Israel, God told them, you're not my people anymore because you're going to want, want to walk in my path and my ways. You never return. You never see a revival. With you know, the exception of a little bit of it you know, in the days of Elijah, short-lived. But you don't see a national revival ever of Israel after the days of Jeroboam to this very day. And so, whatever Judah was keeping now became Jewish religion. So, people of Israel in the north uh, said, well, we don't want that old Jewish religion. And they have done that for the past 2800 years. That's why God says you're not my people, by your own choice. Not because I want it that way. So we'll continue to quote here. Nevertheless, some from Asher, Manasseh, and Zebulun humbled themselves and came to Jerusalem, as all the house of Israel will soon do. That is in the future. Letter we read, And the children of Israel and Judah, who dwelt in the cities of Judah, so we are seeing Israel and Judah dwelling in the cities of Judah, because it joined them finally. Uh, Things got tough in the north, and uh, after all, some of them wanted to go back to the, the God of Israel, because of their captivity and the trauma that they went through. And so, notice a new reality. Some members of the tribes of Israel are now living side by side with their brethren of Judah. You see that in Second Chronicles 31 and verse 6. This integration of some Israel and Judah lends more weight to Judah's claim to the name Israel. Yet it is God who has already settled the matter. In other words, it's not really up to them, even, uh, even then. And you remember the New Testament, that's not quoting from the book, just my own comments. In the New Testament, you read, for example, about uh, Paul making a point that he is a Benjaminite. He's a Jew, yeah, but he's a Benjamite from the tribe of Benjamin. And there is a prophetess from Asher, and who knows how many other tribes? You know, a few individuals here and there, maybe hundreds, maybe thousands, uh, joined uh, the Jewish community because they wanted to remain faithful uh, to uh, to Judah. That is, to the not to Judah, but to God, and to the temple. And then uh, you find uh, a lot of them throughout history that. Now and then, you know, went to the temple in Jerusalem to offer sacrifices because they remembered who they are, or who their God is. But as a whole, the nation of Israel, the ten tribes, forsook God. And they have done it to this very day in many ways, with the exception of the few that accepted the God of Israel when the apostles were sent to them. And so we continue to quote the prophet. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's go now. Where are we? Okay, let's go now. Uh, uh, I'm quoting again. Let's now go to the last king of Judah, Zedekiah, and see how God refers to him. We are now in Babylon with the prophet Ezekiel in chapter 12. In verse 2, God tells him that he, a living, that, that he is living among a rebellious house. Then he commands him to enact the coming captivity. And Remember, Ezekiel was taken into captivity before Zedekiah. I think approximately about 20 years, or maybe 20, no, well, about 25 years before the fall of the city, that is, and Jerusalem's fall, uh, the prophet enacts the captivity as commanded. Now, oftentimes, when people read the book of uh, Ezekiel, every time they see the house of Israel, the house of Israel, they think only about the northern kingdom, especially in today's modern terms. They think about America. And they're not reading carefully the book. From God's point of view, what he's really talking about? Because they've got it into their mind that Israel is only the northern kingdom, and then in specific, it's only America, or Joseph, you know, Ephraim and Manasseh. Therefore, they see whenever wherever they see Israel, they, they, they just totally forget the whole story, and they get mixed up there. And when we study the Word of God, we have to study it you know, carefully, not not assume. A lot of people assume and come up with all kind of relig- of uh, religions and doctrines, and it's not necessary to do that. You cannot worship God in truth and in spirit if you function that way. Anyway, we're going to continue here quoting. Uh, so. Before the captivity of uh, Jerusalem, Ezekiel is sent into into captivity. And then in verses 9 and 10, we're reading chapter 12, God speaks to him again, quoting, Son of man, has not the house of Israel, the rebellious house, said to you, and he's speaking to the captives. And he's calling them the house of Israel, because there are two houses of Israel, one in the north, one in the south. He's not speaking about the house of Israel in the south. You see, that's the simplicity of the matter. There's no contradiction in the Bible. And he's speaking to those in the captivity with Ezekiel. And they're asking, what are you doing? When he was enacting that captivity that God called him upon to enact, they're asking, what are you doing? And he said, well, say to them, thus says the Lord God, this burden that is enacting this captivity concerns the prince in Jerusalem, that is Zedekiah, and all the house of Israel who are among them. And all of them were Jews, and Benjamites, and Levites, and the remnant of their poor Israelites that joined them. But it's not talking about the northern kingdom. It's talking about the house of Israel in the south. When we understand that, then it's not a problem. There is no reason to hate animosity, unnecessarily so, and throw those comments. Well, the Jews have no right to call their land Israel, or they shouldn't be called Israel, or it's illegal, and all that stuff. Let's continue quoting. Ezekiel the priest from the house of Judah has been sent to the house of Israel and children of Israel, according to God. He was told to deliver God's words to a rebellious people. Now, in his day, specifically, when God calls the prophet, is to deliver a message to his own people, not just to speak into the air, you know, 2,800 years down the road. But he's speaking to his own people, and God gives him a message to his own people, whom he calls the house of Israel, because they are. That is, of the southern kingdom. That's speaking about territory. They're both of them. All of them are house of Israel, and when they're divided, they were both called the house of Israel, but not too often. Yet, both of them are. And made it very plain in several places. And so Ezekiel, uh, I'm quoting again, he was told to deliver God's words to a rebellious people. That's in chapter 2. Now who are these people? Let's read the <laughs> words. And go get to the captives, to the children of your people, that is Judah and Israel, and speak to them and tell them, Thus says the Lord God. We continue. Then I came to the captives at Tel Aviv, you know, there's a city in Israel called Tel Aviv, this is where it came from, who dwelt by the river Kibar, and that's in, uh, in Babylon. And I sat where they, that is the Jewish captive, sat, and remained there astonished seven days. But he was given a commission to his own people, the house of Israel. So it was the God of Israel who called his people, Judah, the house of Israel. Judah was one of the two houses of Israel mentioned by him in Isaiah 8 and f- verse 14. Now in Ezra's days, we read, of those returning to Jerusalem and Judah. So the priests, quoting the scripture, and the Levites, dwelt in their cities, that is previously given to them throughout all of Israel, and all of Israel in their cities. This is what God inspired Ezra to write, that all the returning Jews were to be called Israel because they are Israel. I always remember Hosea chapter 1, about the northern kingdom, the northern territory. You know, Northern exposure, so to speak. They were exposed to the wrong spirit, the wrong uh, religion. And so, throughout Ezra and Nehemiah's books, Judah is called Israel and children of Israel for that reason. Now, let's go uh, again to the New Testament. Some people say, well, maybe Old Testament thats, that's uh, somebody's confused there. And they have no faith in the Old Testament. They just go to the New Testament. For one thing, it's all one book. There is no such a thing as old and new in terms of books. There is an Old Covenant and a New Covenant, but that's a totally different issue. And they're contained in those books. So, let's go to the New Testament. Let's see if God has changed his mind in the meantime, as some people said he did, making God a liar, unfortunately, in the process. Now, when Herod the king had acquired all the priests regarding the birth of Jesus, the Christ, they quoted the prophecy of Micah. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, yes, the land was the land of Judah, are not, the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Now, was Christ going to rule only Judah? Obviously not. He's going to rule all of Israel, and all of them are Israel. And as you read in uh, in John, that Christ came to his own, Judah, who are also the people of Israel and also called the house of Israel. Now, later, Joseph was commanded by an angel to flee to Egypt with Mary and Jesus. But after Herod's death, the angel said to him, and notice what the angel says to him. And anyway, you think the angel knows what he's talking about. This is what he says to him. Quote, Take the young child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. He didn't say go to Palestine, you know, the perpetual enemies of Israel. Now some people insist on calling the land of King David, you know, the one that... Constantly fought against his uh, bitter and sworn enemies, uh, the Philistines. Imagine if he heard that he called his land Palestine. you know That's a horrible blasphemy to him. And a slap in the face. And people insist to this very day who have animosity in their heart, even in the midst of God's people. They insist on calling the land of Israel Palestine. And they ought to question themselves and examine their own spirit. Where does it come from? Anyway, the angel says, you go to the land of Israel, because that's the name of it. Are you going to listen to men, or are you going to listen to God? And that, you can read in Matthew chapter 2 and verses 19 and 21. Now, notice how in Jesus' days, the land of the the nation of Judah was still called the land of Israel. Not Palestine, as scholars and historians in ignorance prefer or refer to it to this very day. Now after Mary came to visit uh, Elizabeth by divine inspiration, this is what she said. He has helped his servant Israel. Now of course Mary is speaking about her own people, Judah. You read that in Luke chapter 1 verse 54. Later speaking of John the Baptist, it is stated, So the child grew and became strong in spirit and was in the desert till the day of his manifestation to Israel. You see it in Luke chapter 1 verse 80. Marveling about the centurion's faith, Jesus explained, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, no, not even in Israel. Speaking about his own people, Judah, the Jewish people. That's in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 10. And commissioning his twelve tribes, that is twelve disciples, sorry, on a short preaching expedition to the cities of Judah, Jesus told them, quote, But go rather to the lost sheep, of the house of Israel. You see that in Matthew chapter 10, and verse 6. Now, ultimately what he meant for them, into the future, not at that point, but into the future, later on, go to all the tribes of Israel, and so we see them go to the tribes of Israel. Because Peter and all the others were basically uh, the disciples that were commissioned to go to the circumcision. And the circumcision included all of Israel, even though by then probably many of them were not even circumcising. But uh, history tells us that a lot of them still kept that custom for many, many centuries. So they were the house of Israel. They were the lost hands of Israel. But in specific, Jesus Christ is speaking to his disciples in that for that uh, purpose in that expedition. And he's speaking only about the cities of Judah. That's why he said, don't go to the cities of Samaritans. And we continue. When the Syrophoenician, Gentile woman, pleaded with Christ to heal her daughter, Jesus replied, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now you should remember that Jesus will, was sent to his own. And this you read in Matthew 15, verse 24. When the Jewish teacher Nicodemus could not perceive the meaning of Jesus' words, Christ said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? John 3, and verse 10. And when Peter addressing his fellow Jews in the temple on the first Pentecost, or Feast of Weeks, the Hebrew name for it, he proclaimed to them, Court, men of Israel, and therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and King. So Peter never knew otherwise. You see, he called his own people the house of Israel. He said that God gave this message to the house of Israel. Specifically, he's talking about his own people, Judah at the time, especially those in the temple. And I'm sure that there were several individuals among them that was common knowledge at the time, were coming also from the tribes of Israel, other tribes, but he, speci- he specifically talking to his own people, Judah. Uh, continue to quote, the, the Apostle Paul told the Romans about his people, Judah. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. You see, most so-called Christians, Christians, you know, by their own name, by their own calling, you know, not that God called in that, in the past, Two millenniums have done their best ignorantly to destroy and alienate Israel from their Savior, that is, the people of Judah. And many are doing it to their shame still to this very day, which is very unfortunate. And Paul said that. His desire and his prayer to God, that Israel, that is, speaking about his own people in specific and in general to all the tribes. In chapter uh, 10, verse 1 of Romans. And uh, you should read Romans 8, 9, and 10, where it makes it very plain who the people of God are. And in First Corinthians, chapter 10 and verse 18, Paul says, uh, "o, "Observe Israel after the flesh, speaking about his own people, Judah." To the Philippians, Paul said it of himself, of the stock of Israel, Philippians 3:5. And finally, speaking of the woman that is Israel, that gave birth to Christ, which was of Judah, God makes very plain his mind concerning the subject. And you see it in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 1 to 17, speaking about the woman with the moon uh, and the stars, the 12 stars, and specifically, it's uh, very plain, speaking about the nation of Israel, the 12 tribes that, uh, in essence, being one house of Israel, though they have been divided, and in specific, Christ came out of the house of Judah, as Paul makes very plain, it is evident that our Lord came out of the house of Judah. He is the son of David not a son of Jeroboam. But, nevertheless, uh, the woman there is referred to all the house of Israel, but in specific to the people of Judah who gave birth, so to speak, to the one who came to themselves, because they were of his own. And he's coming back again to his own. He's not coming to Tyler, Texas, or to San Diego, or any other city, or Pasadena, or uh, England, or London, or whatever. He's coming to his own people again in Jerusalem. And when he comes, it says, the people of Judah shall fight at the same time as he is fighting his enemies, the enemies of Judah. And so, we have to see it from God's point of view. And there is no need for uh, misunderstanding and ignorance and animosity and anti-Semitism and all that stuff. That's of, God, of Satan, not of God. Now, in contrast to God's plain and authoritative words of pure truth, let's read a statement made by a British scholar on this matter. We're talking about an Ephraimite. This scholar has shown a great depth of knowledge and understanding of his Israelite origin. Yet, he could not bring himself to spew out the poison, bias, and prejudice against Judah. That is his own brother. And that's very unfortunate. And so, uh, he, uh, he, you know, he, he makes a very most tragic statement, which epitomizes the height of hypocrisy and spirit of anti-Semitism. And uh, that, that attitude, you know, wrought havoc on the Jewish community and the people of God for all ages, and that should not be there. And yet many Christians, so-called Christians, are doing, to, doing it to this very day. So, uh, this author, after discussing the origin of the Star of David and its use by the State of Israel today, the author of a brilliant work, and I read the whole thing from first word to last, a wonderful work, it's called Symbols of Our celto Saxon Heritage, he states, "Quoting, that is, uh, actually, the Jewish people, uh, unquote, among whom we find King David, many righteous kings of Judah, prophets, apostles, John the Baptist, and Christ Himself, and of course all the saints of that house that became part of the New Testament, the foundation of it. So, uh, qu- uh, quoting again, had little, if any, right to the name Israel." At all, and he adds, quoting the author, for many of them, which is actually few in reality, are descendants of religious proselytes whose ancestry is certainly not Israelitish. Even those who have Israelitish blood have no right to any national use of the name Israel, for they are descendants of the house of Judah, not of the house of Israel. Now, this most nauseating statement to a Jew, and I'm sure, to God, and King David, and to all the prophets, and to the apostles. Imagine that, to hear such a blasphemous statement. And yet, you can see the spirit in that man. And so, this most nauseating statement to a Jew was made by W. H. Bennett in page 103 of the work quoted above. Now the Apostle Paul's words still stand, according, let God be true and every man a liar. Romans three, four. And that's unfortunately what it is. That's a horrible lie. And one of these days is going to have to repent of that. He's going to repent to his brother Judah and to God and to the apostles and to King David. And all of us, if we have this attitude and this spirit, and that's the reason why I bring this information to your mind. We're studying the law of God, not the law of man, not the doctrines of men, not the teachings of men, not the opinions and bias and prejudice of men. But we want to know the mind of God. And that is important if you are to know also who and what is the true Church of God. Speaking about the whole house of Israel. And they're sure, you know, there will not be any animosity, hatred, malice, envy. It's true, God said in Isaiah eleven that the time will come when He's going to remove that animosity, and until that time comes, Unfortunately and tragically, that animosity and animosity hatred and malice, anti-Semitism and vexation of Judah against Ephraim and Israel and all that is going to continue. But we who call ourselves of the household of God, we must not be in that state of mind. So let's continue now in Genesis chapter 49 and verse 1. At this point, uh, we all know this prophecy. And Jacob, verse 1, called his sons and said, Gather together that I may tell you what shall befall you in the last days. So you can see, even though God punishes Israel and Judah and sends them into captivity and tells them you are not my people and is extremely furious and angry with them, still the promise and the covenant with the fathers is there. Therefore, God will never, ever reject his people. Punish them, yes. Hate what they do, yes. But never reject them. And so the prophecy makes it very plain. God has never rejected his people. That's why with all their evil doing, God is still going to fulfill his part because he loved the fathers and loved us in spite of us. And that's why he gave his life for us. You see, people don't see God's way. They see it only from men's way. And so this is what he tells them. Gather together and hear, you sons of Jacob, that is all of them, not only one of you, Joseph, but all of you, sons of Jacob, sons of Israel, and listen to Israel, your father, all of you. All All the sons of Jacob, 12 of them, and now 13 actually, with the of Ephraim. And since, since we're at the end of the tape, I'll say again greetings to all of God's people. This is Mordecai Joseph. Until next time. The preceding message was taken from the worldwide website at address www.biblestudy.org. This site is sponsored by Barnabas Ministries. Bible Study. You have questions. The Bible has answers.